When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast, the forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. The ducks are at where they are at. In this episode, we talk about stalled and stale ducks for the week. Okay, so not as exciting as last week's cold front forecast, but folks in Illinois and similar places that picked up a ton of ducks last week were super worried about ducks just blowing right past them without pause. As expected, and I think as predicted by our seasonal forecast part one by the Fall Weather Podcast, we got a lot more mild and ducks are focused on hanging up, hanging up, hanging up in mid-latitudes for a while now. We also do a quick comment about what ducks eat, so stick with us, folks. We thank our Every Week listeners. You know who you are, those that never miss a single weekly migration forecast episode each Monday morning. Y'all are ate up as much as me about ducks, duck biology, and duck migration. You know where the ducks are before the ducks know where they're at. Think about that. You know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they are at. Our dedicated weekly listeners can pick the best days to hunt because the Follow Weather podcast forecasts fresh ducks hot from the north. Shoot the ducks from the north before they know where they're at. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, coming to you from the home office, as always, in Jack's Reef, New York. I gotta tell you, We've been shooting ducks, but boy, did they get stale about Thursday this week on us. We shot near limits all around among friends and I on Tuesday, but by Thursday it went super dry. And even on Saturday, we worked hard to scratch out our ducks. It was a private marsh and we hadn't shot it for two weeks and these ducks had seen it all. Right, We had those pintails, you've all had them, they just dive into the decoys right like a week ago and they're they're super killable like opening opening of season up here you can kill pintails like crazy they just jump right in but today they started to drift you know do that drift high pass once and you could maybe shoot them on that first pass and then they got high and then they got higher and then they got higher and they landed in the middle of the marsh they really acted like shot at kind of like mississippi pintails in new york right in the first week of november so my wife and I scratched out two pintails, uh, a really, a de- what I would say, a decent drake. Like, we, we don't get, like, long tails on, on pintails here. But, um, you know, it it all took us about, you know, three hours to get them. Um, we ended up with five mallards, uh, two pintail, a widgeon, and, and two, two geese. Great dog work. <laughs> lots of bad shots, lots of good shots. Um, all wild, like, working really hard, you know, smart ducks. But... Yeah, it was a good day. So a little injury to insult. We're also really diehard deer hunters here. Um, go back and listen to I Make Gumbo. Like if you have not 
listen to it. It's simply a fun tongue-in-cheek comment on how deer hunting is much more boring than duck hunting. Um, but we're diehard deer hunters here as well, right? So it's just it's just a fun comment about how deer are like these big brown rectangles and and ducks are, you know, much more fun because there's the diversity of them. But so we pull into the driveway after duck hunting. Um, I'm saying this morning, I'm recording this on Sunday morning. And after virtually no scrapes or rub activity at the farm in Jack's Reef at all, not a sign of the rut whatsoever. We've got a tree right next to our mailbox that is just destroyed. <laughs> and I mean, it's not just destroyed, but it's like tine marks and it's like a four inch tree. Um, with a really nice rub on it. So, you know, we're about two weeks out from gun season now in where we're at in New York. Crossbow season's now running. It runs for two weeks before. Uh, that's my wife's gig, and I compound bow hunt mostly. Um, I killed a doe earlier in the year because we we always work on, we got tons of deer around us, so we work on filling the freezer and then working cameras and finding big bucks too. Anyhow, we're splitting time between bow hunting and, and ducks, and it's a struggle. If you're in it, um, I get it. You know, it's it's hard because when the ducks are flying, the, the 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 rut starts, and it's a hard time to find you know find that time between. But um, you know, we'll we'll let you know if we pin down one of those. We got a few bruisers running on the on the um, on the property here, and they're cruising mostly at night now. But we'll let you know if we pin one of those big boys down. So we have a ton of new listeners. I really thank everybody for sharing, following, and thank you for joining us at the Follow Their Podcast and being the first to know when ducks are forecast to show up in your area. If you're just joining us or catching up, go ahead and give prior episodes a listen, including episode 8, Predicting the Grand Passage of Ducks, that details how we make our weekly duck migration forecast. Each year, we also produce a two-part series that uses global climate models to predict winter weather and when ducks will migrate. This is similar to the Farmer's Almanac, but we use published science and our own knowledge of factors affecting duck migration, including our own research, (laughs) and not voodoo. Simply, not voodoo. Previously, we noted that part two of the long-term forecast, which provides the expected weather conditions during December and January throughout the central Mississippi and Atlantic flyways, would drop during this episode. The reality is that atmospheric and snowfall conditions are building as we speak and that they may change the long-term forecast in the next three days. I know that sounds wild, but that's where we're at. The Foul Weather Podcast team will watch these developments and provide part two of the long-term forecast soon. We are definitely in an El Nino year, which has some expected results, but in the era for a quickly changing climate sometimes, El Nino is not always the driver of this prediction. Stay tuned and look this week for the midweek bonus episode on the long-term seasonal forecast part two, which we'll talk about the kind of the December, January weather for the deep south and whether ducks are going south. We moved them to mid-latitudes. The question now is whether they're going to move to the deep south in time. For our continuing listeners wondering what is next, we just started recording our In the Marsh series. These are raw, uncut, mic'd up discussions and shoots with Dr. Mike and guests. We also have our inaugural Kitchen Conversations episode that is in production. 
Right now, we have an interview with John Simpson, Executive Director of the Winus Point Shooting Club and Winus Point Marsh Conservancy. The Kitchen Conversations are interviews with duck people in duck country. To me, right, the kitchen is a place we prepare food from the hunt, we bullshit about that hunt that just happened and those that might happen in the future. We spend time with family, we spend time with friends, we spend time with people in good conversation, with good food and good drink. Our aim at the Fowlweather Podcast is to catalog and describe and discuss with people that place in time with the Kitchen Conversations. Okay, so the duck food thing mentioned here earlier. In spring 2024, after the close of duck season, we aim to unleash a full wetland management for waterfowl series. Much of that content is currently in production. It comes from decades of boots-on-the-ground efforts, our own research, to understand what ducks eat. Because if you know what ducks eat, you can grow those foods and you can kill more ducks for sure. You can at least make sure that your efforts are focused on duck conservation. But very often, when you produce on your land what ducks eat, they want to be there, and you can shoot more ducks. First of all, please Google the food preference paradigm to realize that we at the Fowl Weather Podcast are not blowing smoke. You will find a published paper with James Calicut. All stars aligned. We will be hunting with James this winter um, in Mississippi, and we'll have the Foul Weather Podcast there. We'll do an In the Marsh episode. We'll do a Kitchen Conversations episode with James. Um, James did his master's degree at Mississippi State. He is a duck call maker, a duck killer, a farm kid, a duck biologist. Uh, and I'll go with, as he states it, in tongue-in-cheek kind of a way. Nah, James, it's not. James, you are. He says, I'm kind of a big deal. James is good fun, um, and and he's Mississippi as it gets. I can't wait to shoot with him and record some quality content, but the fruit food preference paradigm, Google it. Google the food preference paradigm, and you will see James Calicut. I'm a co-author, but James did most of the work, so... When we talk about what ducks eat, um, we're not blowing smoke. We've done the research on what ducks eat. Okay, so we have thought a lot about duck foods and what, what ducks eat, and so have many generations of waterfowl biologists. In episode 10, Howling Winds and Howling Hunters, we threw a lot of shade. And as noted, it's sometimes justified, but we also have an amazing legacy of people that worked very hard to understand what ducks eat to ensure that duck nutritional requirements are met throughout the year. The shade we threw was that new biologists coming out typically don't understand uh, wetland restoration and wetland management to ensure that the foods that ducks eat are produced. And that's a thing that's been happening. But after decades of work, we know that we need to feed ducks year-round to make more ducks for the next year. Think about that. It's not all about the breeding grounds. We need to feed ducks in the fall and winter and spring to make strong ducks to go back north to make more ducks. So what's that look like, right? If you ask average Joe or Ann what ducks eat, they might tell you, oh, corn or bread, 
right, if they're bark ducks. The reality is that ducks eat a diversity of foods pretty much every trophic level or animal level below them they will eat. One of the problems we actually have with new biologists coming into state management areas and national wildlife refuges in general, not all of them, but a lot of them, is that they are not actually trained in traditional waterfowl and wetlands management and they don't know how to grow duck foods to sustain the waterfowl populations that are out there. Go back, as I said, and watch episode 10, Howling Winds and Howling Hunters, and you'll hear a little, it's it's very basic, we'll dig into it later, it's probably the first portion of it, but it's a trend that continues to happen, you're probably all seeing it, that a lot of your wildlife management areas, your national wildlife refuges, are typically not producing duck foods maybe like they used to. If they're actually producing more duck food than they used to, kudos. I have not seen that for the most part. Most of them are leaning towards um, you know, other bird management, which I also embrace, but we shouldn't throw out the waterfall management for something else, throwing out something we know how to do for something we don't know we're sure how to do. So we're going to talk about what ducks eat very simply here. The wetland management for waterfowl series in 2024 will be the meat and potatoes of this topic. When we talk about ducks and what ducks eat, in this episode, we're going to cover dabbling ducks currently used in our duck migration forecast. And they're about two thirds of the entire U.S. duck harvest and pretty close to the Canadian harvest. They include mallards, black ducks, pintails, widgeon, gadwall, Greenwing teal and shoveler. To be clear, corn and other grains feed ducks and they do attract ducks for shooting. But across duck country, native and restored wetlands feed most ducks. Period. They come in the form of natural wetlands, beaver ponds, river systems, sloughs, cypress breaks, emergent wetlands, emergent marshes, coastal marshes, and others. They also come in the form of those systems restored and as managed wetlands. Without exception, wetlands absent of domesticated grains feed most ducks. So wetlands that aren't like corn, rice, etc. feed most of our ducks across this continent. The Foul Weather Podcast team will never ignore that naturally harvested grains and flooded grains for the purpose of shooting ducks feeds ducks, right? grains feed ducks and kill ducks but by and large the energy on the landscape across this continent that feeds ducks comes from wetlands both native and restored so what's a duck to eat all of the dabbling ducks two-thirds of our harvest feed on wetland seeds and tubers mostly they come from annual and perennial plants adapted to grow in or near wetland soils Continent-wide, the tool that we use to feed ducks is drawdowns in restored wetlands to produce moist soil conditions. Managed wetlands typically have water control structures, and you slowly remove water manually through the water control structure to expose mud flats to produce annual plants that produce abundant seeds and tubers for hungry waterfowl. Thereafter, late in the growing season, you reflood when the plants are at shatter stage or kind of when you can walk through the marsh and seeds shatter from their husk and you have like all these seeds stuck to your muck boots. 
on a damp kind of fall morning. Simply, like most dabbling ducks on this continent are associated with rivers and riverine wetlands that are super dynamic and they have water levels that fluctuate greatly, or at least historically they would have fluctuated greatly. Those fluctuations in water levels through historic time have produced plants that ducks can exploit. Very dry and very wet cycles are the norm, and they're predictable enough that ducks kind of could move down the Mississippi, down the Ohio, down other, other the Red River, the Arkansas, other systems, and exploit those foods in the fall and winter that were produced in the summer, and then those floodwaters would pour out into that landscape for them to exploit. So managed wetlands now replace that lack of that flooding because of, mm, let's get into it a little bit. I'll talk about it. Damming of rivers, reduced flooding, increase in agriculture. I think the Corps of Engineers is kind of your enemy. We'll leave it at that. But basically in managed wetlands, we're trying to reproduce those, those what I would say were traditional historic conditions that these ducks saw that we kind of got rid of. I mean, we grow stuff in the floodplain and, uh, it's a spot that the ducks used to use. So we're just trying to replace some of that. And so we're doing a lot of that in, I'd say, more food and less space for these birds to sustain these continental populations. So nowadays, these systems are certainly widely different for ducks, right? Like we've done a lot of this flood control. We've reduced um, the amount of kind of moist soil stuff that's naturally on the landscape from flooding. But pintail and green-winged tail are still small seed specialists that really rely on these kind of seasonally flooded areas. They have bills that are adapted to eat wetland, small wetland seeds. And so we really work to restore and manage these areas for a lot of these dabbling duck species. Um, whose habitat was was pretty much um, destroyed through you know river channelization um, and drainage within the floodplain. Widgeon and gadwall also eat seeds, but their bills are really adapted to kind of like rip and eat aquatic vegetation, right? So it's called we call it submerged aquatic vegetation. Some of my students a few years ago like to call it wet lettuce. I, li- I like the term wet lettuce um, better for um i don't even know where it came from we just started one student blurted out wet lettuce one day because they couldn't remember submerged aquatic vegetation and i started going with uh wet lettuce i mean slightly different but still a fun term so right those those birds have done maybe better at least certainly gadwall during the age of reservoirs that were used for flood mitigation to to reduce flooding along um in the mississippi drainage largely where a lot of these birds fly down through um, autumn and winter and <clears throat> fall and winter and and then and then you know make their way back north so reducing flooding um, but increasing reservoirs and maybe making more wet lettuce um, in these reservoirs is is not a bad thing somebody asked me years ago like hey how do you catch a gadwall in a duck trap and i was like i don't know maybe just pile fucking full of um milfoil and and hope they go in but i'm not even sure how people catch gadwall i've heard of it but it's hard right so i think they catch them by mistake you throw a pile of corn down a bunch of mallards go in gadwall getting confused and they end up in a funnel trap and you've caught a gadwall but i mean people have done um you know uh you know capture and 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 satellite telemetry projects with gadwall so it is possible to catch them but they're but they're definitely wet lettuce specialists right 
Uh, mallards and black ducks, those are, I mean, these are some key species across the, across all flyways, but, you know, black ducks to the east for sure. They're more generalist, right? Um, they filter feed wetland seeds, but they, black ducks and mallards will both kind of land in cornfields and eat that in other agricultural grains. So, you know, but by and large, like people are like, hey, if I just grow a bunch of corn, I'm going to shoot a bunch of mallards. Sure. And that does happen. And I'm going to cover the the corn. There's going to be a corn episode here where I cover like what is the influence of corn on the landscape and flooded corn on these birds and how does how does weather play into that? But but the reality is is yes, these birds will feed on that and they may feed on it more so than other species to some extent. But at the landscape scale, mallards and black ducks still sustain themselves on what I would call native wetland seeds, kind of moist soil stuff, perennial plants, as well as the insects that live among them, the protein, all these birds I'm talking about though, I'm going to get on the Northern Shoveler here in a second, which are like a hardcore protein eater, but all these birds need protein. They need insects to make eggs, right? They're not going to harvest that protein from their bodies to put it into eggs. They're actually going to, most of them are going to eat that protein and put it into eggs to make eggs. So a lot of what I'm talking about right now of like what do ducks eat is like in the migration season, like what do we grow to shoot ducks, right? But the reality is, is that protein kind of runs the stage for duck production. And, you know, we'll get into that in another episode about on the prairies and in northern breeding grounds, like what do these ducks really need and how do we sustain that, that bug protein that invertebrate protein for them so they can make eggs because that's a huge part of this equation folks all right northern shovelers i guess you know maybe a little sidebar here i I really have a soft spot in my heart for this animal we don't get a lot of them out here in the east um we give them a pass most of the time because they're kind of a cool duck and there's no point in shooting them when we've got other big ducks around that taste a little better, but they're super abundant in the mid-continent. They're easy to decoy. They actually eat well as duck kebab wrapped in bacon. I ate a ton of these. Um, these ducks eat about 85% uh, protein, like bug, bug, bug diet, um, but they can still taste like a champ uh, in the right recipe, right? So... You know, maybe bootlip isn't the favorite duck of yours, but it's one of my favorites, even though I don't shoot a lot of them. They eat mostly invertebrates. They love catfish ponds. Um, But here's the thing. They're going to show up in Arkansas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. They're kind of a softy when it comes to weather. They're going to migrate first. So don't throw shade on old bucket face. It's a super cool duck. They eat well. Um, You can shoot six of them. Their, Their populations are doing well. So, you know. Love, love the shoveler. Okay, so what do ducks eat? Drawdowns aim to produce annual plants because these weedy plants produce about 10 times the seed of perennial plants and typically about two times the energy. Simply, annual plants must come back from their seeds, so their seed needs to be full of energy for germination. If they do not successfully reproduce some seed that year, the genes in that plant no longer exist. Strong selective pressure, right? In contrast, perennial plants likely live to the next generation because it comes back from its roots or tubers. So it puts less energy into seeds than annual plants. So we focus on annual plants as duck food in kind of managed wetland systems. So think about your garden and how if you disturb the soil and don't weed, you get a ton of annual weed producing plants with a lot of seed. That is literally duck food. 
Literally, a lot of your garden variety weeds, barnyard grass, pigweed, and goosefoot are actually duck foods that occur in wetlands. So the drawdowns and drying of soil produce these and other duck foods. Many annual and some perennial, but the point is that ducks eat weed seeds. Ducks eat weeds, and we work hard to produce them. Drawdowns and annual plant seed and tuber production are among the primary ways to produce duck foods and attract hungry ducks for harvest on public and private lands throughout duck country. For a detailed look at plants for ducks, look up a book called A Guide to the Moist Soil Plants of the Mississippi Alluvial Valley. I'm a co-author along with my wife and friends and colleagues. All proceeds, I get nothing for this, all proceeds go to the James C. Kennedy Endowed Chair in Waterfall and Wetlands Conservation at Mississippi State University. The funds from this book go to duck research by graduate students in Mississippi. So please look this book up if you're very interested in duck plants, um, wetland plants that ducks eat. Grab this book. I'd say, I mean, I co-authored it, so I think it's one of the better guides um, for the lower Mississippi alluvial valley. But I tell you, we have it on the shelf in New York as well. A lot of the plants are the same. A lot of these plants cross uh, many, many borders. All right, so what do dabbling ducks eat? Yes, they eat agricultural grains like corn. They eat rice. They do land and eat barley and other grains. But across the range, it's mostly weed seeds. Also seeds from perennial plants, but in lesser abundance, not because they don't want to, but because they're less common and they're probably a little less energy wise because they don't have to be because perennial plants, no matter what, are going to come back from the roots, right? Um, they just, these perennial plants just don't produce as much seed or as much energy. So we focus mostly on producing annual plants. So next time you see a duck feeding in a wet spot in a cornfield with a wet, like kind of a weedy edge, Think about this. They probably aren't actually feeding on corn. They're probably in that little wet spot in that field that used to be probably a wetland, and they're feeding on weed seeds. I hope you get that, right? Dabbling ducks are truly adapted to feed on weed seeds in floodplains of rivers. And think about a mallard traditionally without cornfields following a flooded river, river south as cold and snow produced to the north makes them move south and that river slowly floods out south of them as the season progresses it's all really really kind of pretty simple these ducks run on weed seeds all right, it's November and seasons are ramping up. I mean, even the Deep South folks are opening soon. And the Foul Weather Podcast is on it. We're ready to forecast that next movement from the mid-continent. I mean, we got that cold shot and stuff moved south. Some of it moved down to y'all, but it didn't quite get there. They're kind of hung up in the middle for the most part. And you're going to be looking for that next bump of weather, and we're going to look to forecast it when it happens. If you listened to earlier episodes, you noted that we will soon cover why guns don't run duck populations. It's going to be an episode called Ducks Run Guns, Guns Don't Run Ducks. 
and we'll also cover why everyone should support Ducks Unlimited and Delta Waterfall. These are both great organizations. I belong to both, and I'll give you reasons why you should too. Okay, so on to the forecast for this week. As I hinted at in the intro, uh, the Ducks are at where they are at, which sounds like a truism, or compared to last week, the weather severity index is really moderated, and we are mostly looking at local conditions affecting duck hunting success. There's not really much duck movement this week. A little bit, so stay tuned and I'll tell you about it. Right, so stale ducks for most. So keep in mind hunting pressure on your ducks this week. If you hunt a a duck club, it would be a good time to give ducks a rest and shoot them less this week. If you hunt public land, look at that kill board closely and decide where to hunt based on pressure and habitat. Pressured ducks without good food resources are going to be tough to kill this week for the most part. Mostly everything is moderated across the board. Warm temperatures are pulsing north and snowfall is unlikely in most northern tier states. So for ducks that are in the northern prairie, Great Lakes, and mid-latitude states, it's unlikely for any major movement out of those areas to places farther south. We forecast a substantial movement of ducks last week into the latitudes of Iowa and Illinois, and as expected, Iowa surveys jumped and their numbers jumped quickly from below normal with a few mallards to nearly typical numbers for this time of year with about 34% of their survey comprised of mallards. We also want to note that the Illinois River Valley and nearby Mississippi River duck numbers also increased based on that cold from last week and we kind of predicted that stuff at the fall weather podcast. So hopefully folks got after those ducks that just started to show up kind of in that mid-latitude region like Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, across. I'm guessing Maine, Ohio might have got some. I think that Ohio might be a little far east uh, because that cold front only kind of bellied up into the mid-continent. But this week, the only really big movement that we see across the board is the last push of ducks hanging in Quebec and northern Ontario into southern Ontario and the extreme northeast U.S., including Maine kind of northern New Hampshire and Vermont, right? Some of these ducks may overshoot and move into New York and places farther south and in the east, but I think that's unlikely because everything south of that's going to be pretty warm. The most likely time for this movement of ducks is Tuesday night into Wednesday and again on Thursday night for holdout ducks that didn't get the note the night before about, you know, the snow event in Quebec um, in northern Ontario. It stalls about Ontario, or sorry, Ottawa, Ontario, Um, But it should send some ducks south. I think the folks in southern Ontario along Lake Ontario and Lake Erie should really be looking um, for birds kind of um, at that time, right? Um, We don't see anything but more than a trickle of ducks out of about the latitude of New York south during the week. It really looks like the east is stalled right now. Um, Kind of all week, ducks will trickle out of the latitude of New York into PA and places farther south, but I wouldn't expect much, and I'm not even getting close to forecasting a mallard movement in the east yet. It's been been basically non-existent. Uh, Back to the heartland, uh, few early migrating ducks now remain in kind of North Dakota. It got really cold up there, and and peak mallard conditions are kind of in the Wyoming, South Dakota to Iowa latitude. If you're going out there hunting still and and you're worried about no no ducks, they're still there, right? Um, Ducks remain north, and they're super susceptible to being shot where they can be found, but most early ducks have moved into that kind of, you know, northern Missouri area to the south. A lot of them have moved down that way. I mean, they're in between two. 
Um, but they really aren't into the deep south in abundance in, in most locales yet. The early ducks are certainly building in Arkansas latitude, but they're kind of well before peak. And I'd say mallards are pretty much balled up, balled up much more north than the deep south at this time. So I, I don't even think peak mallards, in no way are we at peak mallard in um even in Missouri yet. They're they're still they're still north of that in, you know, the Wyoming across to Iowa latitude for sure. So I just need to be honest. You know, we need to be honest at the foul weather team here. The ducks are at where the ducks are at. At best, in the far west of the central flyway, um, there's some moving a few ducks early and late in the week in the mid-continent, the Mississippi flyway. We'll see very subtle movement of early uh, midweek at best. In the far east of the Atlantic flyway, that trickle of migration will be like Tuesday night through Thursday. The weekend looks weak for any migrants except for a trickle of early migrants in the Atlantic flyway. So kind of get after it this week across the country and I'd say manage your pressure is the biggest thing. All right, each week we cover where the ducks are hot and where they're not. So where the ducks are hot goes to southern Ontario and Quebec as a November snow and cold event pushes to the Ontario-Quebec border. This should make hunting in the Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, and St. Lawrence River Valley light up a bit this week. Where the ducks are not goes to the latitude of northern Missouri, where season's just open, but moderating temperatures and stale ducks will be the theme for the week. We all wait on the next cold front and forecast of fresh ducks from the Fall Weather Podcast. All right, y'all. Good luck out there. Stay safe. Give those ducks a rest when they need it so you can shoot more ducks tomorrow. The Foul Weather Podcast forecasts fresh ducks. We also let you know when ducks might be stale and need some rest. We maximize your successful days of field. Spread the word about the Foul Weather Podcast. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Remember to share and follow us for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also look us up on the web at foulweather.co and check in for regular updates. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at foulweather.co, where we'll post episode links and updates. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. Thank you for listening, and as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends. Mm -hmm.